Good afternoon, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the March 2nd edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show, as always, is brought to you by my firm, and that is Janice Allen Jackson and Associates. You can learn more about my firm and the services that we provide at JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com. There on that website, there is a Local Matters tab, and in the event that you miss an episode, if you want to share an episode with someone else in your network, you can go to that Local Matters tab and find any of those episodes. I am proud to say that most of them are what we consider to be evergreen, which is to say that while the topics are certainly relevant, uh, they aren't time sensitive. So there may very well be a show that I've done uh, four, five, six, seven months ago that would still be fresh and relevant to people who need to take advantage of the information that we've provided through our guests. Today is the first uh, Wednesday of Women's History Month. And that means that during this month, I am going to highlight uh, at least one woman who has made history in our community. Uh, this time, it is going to be Ms. Kelly McIntyre or Judge Kelly Kenner McIntyre, as she is officially known. She's going to come in next week and she's going to talk to us. Um, not just about her groundbreaking role first as solicitor for Richmond County, but also in uh, the judgeship that she currently holds in state court. But I also want to take advantage of this opportunity to pick Kelly's brain, so to speak, on what it takes to be a good judge. As we know, going into election season this year, we've got several judicial races on the ballot. Uh, we've got, in particular, Superior Court, which is a very important court. We've got at least two contested races there. Uh, and I, as much as I've been around uh, local government, really couldn't tell you what the best strategy is to decide who you're going to vote for for judge. So we're going to ask Kelly, as somebody with experience in that area, to come in and sort of fill in the blanks for us and let us know uh, how we should go about our thought process on who we want to vote for for those key judgeships. Last week, if you missed my show, uh, please go back and catch that one on my website. Um, because it was Black History Month, I profiled a Black public administrator in an organization called the National Forum for Black Public Administrators. We talked about how important it is that there is a diverse workforce on the local level and how um, city managers, administrators, county managers, people in our profession are there for many reasons, of course, to provide good services, but also to work toward building trust with the public that we serve. And we talked about some of our experiences with doing that, uh, training opportunities that are available for people who are interested in careers in local government, just a, a wide-ranging conversation on, as, on how we 
as professional administrators and managers uh, approach the job in a way that hopefully serves the interests of the people in the communities in which we work. So again, if you want to catch that episode, it's available on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and the easiest way to get to it, as I said, is going to my website, JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com. Go to the Local Matters tab and click on that link. So now that we've covered uh, last week's show, uh, giving you a peek into what that was, in case you want to go back and catch that, giving you a peek in what what we're going to do next week, um, let's talk about uh, what is going on uh, right now. Um, One of the most important and apparently most divisive issues in our community is redistricting. You know, if you do go back, uh, I've done a couple of shows on that topic. I had Dr. Charles Bullock, who is a foremost scholar at University of Georgia on the topic of redistricting. I had him in several months ago as that process began to just talk about what it is and why it is and how it is generally. Uh, Two months ago, I had uh, State Senator Harold Jones, who represents most of us in the Augusta area. Uh, talk about his role on both the local redistricting committee and the state redistricting committee. And he talked about his approach and uh, some of the things he was happy with, some of the things he wasn't so happy with, some of his frustrations as a part of that process. And now all of this seems to have come to a head. Um, Last night, uh, I had the opportunity to moderate a public forum Uh, This forum was uh, hosted by former Augusta Commissioner Bill Fenoy. He brought his concerns to the attention of uh, the Greater Augusta's Interfaith Coalition, which, of course, is led by Reverend Chris Johnson, who's also been a guest on the show a couple of times uh, over the past. And um, we just had a good discussion. He asked me to kind of come in and set the tone for the discussion. And I did that by just describing where we are uh, right now with this divisive issue in our community. Uh, what it appears has happened, if I can uh, decipher what is uh, what I've read in the media, is that the local committee that uh, Senator Jones spoke of when he visited with Local Matters, uh, that local committee signed off on a redistricting map for our commission districts. And also pause there to remind you that the Augusta Commission and the Richmond County Board of Education share the same district boundaries. Uh, Each one of them has 10 districts, eight districts, and then two super districts on top of that. And um, they they share those boundaries. There was a a local committee that consisted of representatives of the Augusta Commission, of the Richmond County Board of Education, and of our legislative delegation. And they approved a map. As Senator Jones and I discussed, everybody wasn't universally happy with that map, but one of my options observations then and now is whenever there's a change, nobody, uh, not everybody, 100% of the folks are never going to be happy with it. You know, there's always going to be somebody who feels like that they were shortchanged in the process. And what in a nutshell looks like has happened this time around is that uh, the local committee approved a, a map 
for those districts. Um, at that time, there was a very vocal group of people who lived in the Somerville and Forest Hills neighborhoods, which is to say the folks up Walton Way near Augusta College, which happens to be uh, the wealthiest area in the city. So they were very vocally opposed to this plan because many of them were being moved into District 1. Uh, District 1 focuses on downtown, runs all the way out by the airport, and then a little bit further south. So it's largely uh, uh, more um, a lower income area. It's more urban uh, in terms of including downtown. And they felt like they had not enough in common with those folks. And then some portion of uh, those two neighborhoods, Forest Hills and Somerville, uh, remain in District 3 while others are moving into District 1 with that plan. So they were very vocally opposed and threatened to sue. Felt like they hadn't been listened to. They attended numerous public hearings uh, to no avail uh, and felt like they were left out of the process. Um, then uh, later on, it appears that uh, as early as uh, January, as soon as the legislature went into session, that at least two of the senators in our local delegation, uh, those being Max Burns, he's in the Augusta delegation, even though he lives in Sylvania, I believe, and uh, Senator Lee Anderson asked the state reapportionment office to draw another map uh, with different district lines. And uh, that map essentially resulted in something that was the reverse of what the first set of maps did. Uh, the first set of maps moved those areas that are closer to downtown, that is that Walton Way, Augusta University, Carter, um, Somerville, Forest Hills, move those into uh, portions of them into District 1, which is closer to downtown. The map that resulted from Senator Burns and Anderson's request to the state reapportionment office moved the folks that were at the furthest end of District 3 out of the district and moved those to the adjacent District 5. So then you probably, if you were paying attention, you saw on the news um, the residents of one of those neighborhoods out, Jimmy Dias Parkway, protested, threatened to sue, uh, et cetera, et cetera, because they felt like they were being disenfranchised by being moved out of District 3 where they historically had been. So that's the issue we have, but I want you to also understand the fundamental reason that redistricting has to take place. The principle is that every district should have essentially the same number of residents. And you might ask why. Well, this is why. Let's look at Augusta, roughly 200,000 people. Um, that would mean that each district should have about 25,000 uh, so that uh, each of those eight districts uh, represents the same amount of people. However, District 3, because of the growth headed towards Fort Gordon and the Columbia County line, if you drive out there, you see a bunch of newer houses out that way. So many people have moved out in that area. What used to be a sparsely populated area is now pretty dense. So that district was far larger than many of the other districts that are not so densely populated and 
don't have as much growth. And if you think about that principle, I want to do it in extremes, but this will help you think through why this process is necessary. If you have one district that only has 200 people and you have another district that has 20,000 people, that would mean that the people living in that district with a smaller population have greater access to their elected official, their school board member or their commission member. So if you make each district with equal population, that means equal access to their elected officials. So that's why it is so important that each one of those districts be approximately the same size in terms of population. And in Augusta's case, you will see that population definitely has moved out into that area because, I mean, some of these areas that were woods, you know, 20 years ago now are packed with neighborhoods and houses. So that dynamic has changed, which creates the need for redistricting, which has created the fight that we now see. So if you think about that as the reason why we've talked about the how you know, going through the committees and Senator Jones did an excellent job sort of going through how that process works. Um, now you wind up with a bunch of unhappy people and you were going to either way because somebody was going to have to leave what, what they were comfortable with. So the forum that I discussed last night, uh, Greater Augusta's Interfaith Coalition, League of Women Voters, Black Voters Matter, rec uh, representatives of some of the concerned neighborhoods, NAACP, National Action Network, some faith leaders. There was a diverse array of folks, uh, a little over 20 people who I think participated um, during various times. And they really just had some open, honest discussion about how they felt about these issues. Uh, there is going to be a follow-up discussion uh, so if you just check the website of the Greater Augusta Interfaith Coalition, GAIC, uh, you can uh, touch base with them and get the information for the session that is coming up next week because they're going to continue this discussion uh, with the idea of, you know, there were two camps basically that I heard. Uh, one camp was, this is what we got. Uh, the Candidates begin to qualify for office next week, March 7th through March 11th are the dates, and we need to work with what we have. Uh, one of the questions that was raised was how will I even know what district I'm in? You know, am I going to be confused about the precinct in which I vote? The answer that came back was, a, it's the responsibility of your uh, departments of voter registration and elections to send out new cards to everyone to let them know where, in fact, they will be voting. The other thing is the My Voter Page system that the Georgia Secretary of State's office has set up. You just go on there, you type in your name and address, and I think a birth date, and all that information will come up uh, where you vote for uh, what precinct, you know, which precinct you're in, where you vote, um, and uh, what district you're in, what 
commission district, what school board district, state house, state senate, congressional district, all of that information will come up. So there are some ways to avoid that confusion. So part of our job, it is of all those organizations who are there as well, is to just make sure people know how to find out what their new voting precinct is and what districts they're in so they know which candidates are going to be on their ballot as they get prepared to vote. Uh, some of the other things that were discussed was, you know, the possibility of litigation. I went back and read the news articles. Really, if you trace this back uh, from the time the legislature went into session and various other articles that have been printed in the Augusta Chronicle, um, you will see that this has been an ongoing topic of discussion. Uh, Governor Kemp actually signed the new district into law. Uh, early this week, I believe it was on Monday of this week or Friday of last week, uh, he made it final after it went through the legislature. But this has been brewing for a while. It's, it's obvious that this didn't just pop up overnight. So there are ways to get the information out. There's also ways to challenge this. Um, there is some suspicion that this is a violation of the Voting Rights Act because as Precinct 309, which is that area out Jimmy Dias Parkway and Gordon Highway near Fort Gordon, um, that area used to be majority white. Now it has become majority black and they have been moved into District 5, which is already a majority black district. It's over 70 percent black. So the notion is, does this meet the federal standard for what is called packing, uh, which is to say you're putting large numbers of African-Americans into one district, which could dilute Black voter strength in the district that they came out of, which in this case is District 3. So this has set up uh, a very uh, divisive battle and folks are trying to decide, is it worth litigation? I saw Senator Jones and some others say, hey, this is going to result in litigation. Uh, we don't know yet, as far as I can tell, as far as we could discuss last night, nobody has filed litigation yet, but that doesn't mean that it's not to come later on. Um, in fact, back in 2010, when that census was completed, um, there was discussion about boundaries and it wound up having to go to court and a judge decided what those boundaries were going to be. But one of the things you also have to realize is that was late happening, uh, as in the census was in 2010 and it was 2012 before those boundaries were drawn. So we could get into another protracted situation this time around uh, where there are uh, there's a long time and a lot of expensive fights to see how this situation will unfold. So hopefully that has defined for you uh, what the issue is and what the fight is about and a little bit about what's at stake. I mean, as I talked to some of the people who were on the uh, call tonight, uh, one of the big issues was feeling like they had been disregarded and that the decision of locals uh, was being ignored. If you put together a local committee and you ask them to make recommendations, uh, why are you not following what the local committee put together? So there is a sense that 
uh, what locals want doesn't matter. Uh, there's a sense that uh, whatever you do, some neighborhoods are going to feel like they've been split up unnecessarily. Uh, and then you have to wonder what the impact is on public policy as this moves forward. So um, also uh, in my research, I discovered that Augusta is by far not the only uh, community in the state of Georgia and certainly not the only one in the country that is facing something similar to this. Uh, Athens, Gwinnett County, there have been protests in those uh, areas as well about how the redistricting maps have come about and what the results are. And uh, people just feeling like at the end of the day, their voices aren't being heard or they're not being set up for success, if you will, in terms of achieving representation that really understands their interests and concerns. And of course, the policy implication is if the people making policy don't truly represent you, you're not going to get policy uh, that serves you well. So all of us, it, it behooves all of us to keep our eyes on this process. Uh, as I said, it's unfortunately div divisive. I have already seen Facebook comments about it. Uh, I've seen finger pointing. I've seen people accused of lying, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So this uh, stands to be a uh, very controversial issue in our community, uh, not just now. Uh, now we got an election to get through. Chances are we'll still be talking about this past the elections that, that take place. And of course, anytime one district's boundaries are affected, it affects another one because they're all contiguous. So please keep your eyes and ears on this. And also, though, don't let this distract you uh, from your interest in researching candidates and voting uh, for those people who you believe represent your, your interest. Um, that's it today for redistricting. I would imagine that we're going to revisit this uh, again. Uh, also of note, not just for the local level, but on the state and federal levels, uh, a judge uh, in Atlanta this week ruled that the congressional boundaries were not worth changing, as in we're going on with the boundaries that have been drawn up. And people, of course, have some real concerns about that in this case, because the number of African-Americans in the state of Georgia has increased by about half a million. But the number of majority districts or districts where it is felt that an African-American has a reasonable chance of winning really hadn't changed. So uh, that is also something to watch. Uh, and that also speaks to how important these judges are to our quality of life. You know, you talk about three branches of government, executive, which is the governor's level, judicial, all those judges, and legislative, which is the commissioners, school board members, and uh, state representatives and state senators who make policy for us. Uh, all three of those branches of government have to be working in a way uh, that represents your interests. And that's why voting rights are so important. And that's why people are fighting about these changes because they truly believe that their voting rights have been adversely impacted. Um, as we talk about voting, uh, please remember that next week, 
uh, March 7th through 11th is the qualifying period for all elections. Uh, the primaries take place on May 24th. The last day to get registered to vote is April 25th. So uh, I will be watching eagerly, and I hope you will too, for uh, who goes in to qualify next week. You know, we've got a mayor race. Uh, that uh, race right now has 13 candidates that have announced so far. Uh, I have been told that there may be another one coming forward, a 14th candidate even could be coming forward. Uh, but the true test is next week because that's when they have to go in and pay qualifying fees. Uh, the qualifying fees for the mayor's race are 3% of the salary of the office, which winds up being over $2,000. And for candidates who may not have raised that much money, they may decide, hey, you know, do I really want to write a check for over $2,000 out of my pocket or am I going to give this up? So time will tell. Uh, we'll see who's going to run. Um, just like we do every year, we try to bring in as many candidates as possible. So please stay with us, uh, Local Matters family. We're going to have some really informative programs designed to help you decide what you're going to do when you get that ballot. Again, I thank you so much for being a part of the Local Matters family. Uh, I enjoy serving you with this information and hopefully breaking it down in a way that is simple enough for you to understand the significance of the various decisions that you have an opportunity to make. Uh, again, I've said this before, haven't said it much recently. If there are other topics that you would like me to cover, please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, people do it via LinkedIn. They do it via Facebook Messenger. They do it via my website. I do have a contact us page at JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com. Uh, send a, a quick note to let me know, hey, you know, so-and-so and so would be a great topic for you to cover or a great, great guest for you to have uh, because we want to make sure that we are indeed providing you with the information uh, that helps you become a more engaged citizen and a more confident voter. Bye-bye, everybody. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net because local matters.